0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community
1: radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au
0: for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. I've got a luxury. I've got an actual real live living author sitting opposite me. It's so nice to have somebody in the studio, it's Claire Coleman.
2: Claire, welcome. Good, to good see to you. be here again.
0: Now we live in bubbles, Claire. We you do. It's convenient, and they're often closed communities that are comfortable and contained. But such places can be toxic. Now, in your new novel, you explore this notion in a work that's entitled. Enclave, an enclave, so welcome back. Your main character, Christine, has a perfect life in this enclave. Why
2: would you want to challenge it? Actually, the funny thing about um about um, it comes I think it, it the thing sometimes comes down to the idea of um, utopias and dystopias, and um people don't people don 't really realize this until you point it out for the most part, but every utopia has been a dystopia for somebody. And every dystopia is a utopia for somebody. And that's kind of the thing is um, if, if you've got a world where everyone's safe because everyone fits in, what happens if you don't fit in?
0: But also then Christine's got an unlimited credit card. She yep. can do anything she wants. Daddy's just bought her an apartment. So it, it looks like it's going well. And even there's safety net there
2: to, to protect her. What what could be wrong with that? Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's the issue, isn't it? And, of course, um, well, when people think about the, the kind of modern idea of being protected by their devices, we are we are to extent protected by iPhones, for example. But they're also watching us.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's a double-edged sword. So safety net provides everything she needs. She gets if she wants to buy something, it sends her information. But it's based on everything she's selected before, so she's never challenged. And the interesting thing is she has an ex-schoolmate, Jack, and Safety Net can't predict her desire or interest or longing to reconnect.
2: Yeah, and also, I mean, um, it's this weird situation where, yeah, Jack, Jack is missing and um, Safety Net, although it knows everything, can't find him, which is... Really a bizarre. We should think about it's um It's like these days you can find anybody. But moreover, it
0: can't predict her inner yes. desire.
2: and well, that's right. And and the, I suppose it comes down. It's a little known fact that I, um, my university studies were in artificial intelligence. I have a an honours degree in AI theory um, from the tribuni. No, it's not. It's not a secret, but I don't talk about it much. And um, the the fact is that it's really um, it's. Algorithms are really smart, and AI algorithms are really smart at predicting what you're going to want to do or buy or or where you're going to go. But they're not very very smart at um, predicting anything you've, that's never turned up on the computer. The computer needs to know needs it needs the information, or it doesn't cover. Is it. what they call the g- garbage in, garbage out theory. Which is you put garbage in, you get garbage out.
0: But the other difficulty is this is so close to where we are now. Ostensibly, this novel set. In the future, but it's so current, so relevant in that regard.
2: Well, yeah, it is, and um, it's it's really weird. There's levels of surveillance we undertake willingly now that would have freaked us out twenty years ago. I mean, twenty years ago, if you, if you said if, if somebody said your phone knows where you are and you can therefore tell um, you know, tell for example, um, your um, Google Maps can tell you how many people are in a, in a, a restaurant right now. It can say there are, it's crowded, it's full, no seats available. And the the reason it can do that is because it knows how many phones are in there, right? Mm. Which, if you think about that, that's terrifying. And yet we put up with it. We actually want it.
0: But then Christine meets Sienna. Yes. A servant. But now, virtually overnight or virtually immediately, Christine becomes uh, immediately
2: an outcast. It is absolute and permanent. What's the problem with Sienna? Well the two problems with Sienna. Um one of the the main, but the biggest problem with Sienna is that she's um, black and um Christine's class aren't allowed to mix with black people at all. Um all the servants are. And that was kind of um that that idea in in um Enclave of all the servant class being people of colour and all the wealthy people being white, that has a historical precedent in that and um, there's theories about the idea of race that race was invented so people knew who the slaves were and who the and who the um slave owners were and that so that's really um sienna is is black and she's a servant which both are very bad things
0: but also christine Desires a relationship.
2: Yes, it's a relationship yeah. with a woman, which yeah. in a, in a um, socio-political kind of far-right enclave probably well, isn't really acceptable, is it? So she basically um, thoroughly screwed up, really. <laughs> <laughs> but her yeah. own parents
0: throw her out. Yes. And, and basically the unlimited credit card is gone. But overnight things have changed. And I cannot help thinking, and we may be getting off the novel slightly in terms of, of the storyline, but parallels with what's going on today the usa overnight abortion was legal now it's not and people are made outcast
2: well and it's also um and that sort of thing with abortion that's similar to what happened in the novel the handmaid's tale and and you see a bit of it in the in the um tv show but in the novel it's described exactly how quick it is that overnight change government and they um ban women from earning money (laughs) <laughs> Straight away, and then they start eroding other rights. Well, that's how quick it can happen, and that that is it is that quick. And and then of course, the abortion rights. Not just that people, women have lost the right to abortion. Some states that didn't read. The weird thing about that is there are states in the USA that aren't anti that the government aren't anti-abortion, but they have abortion statutes and their law that haven't that haven't been enforced for fifty years because of Roe versus Wade. And then suddenly they've got these laws that they didn't have to. Um, Get rid of, and yeah. now they do
0: trigger laws that automatically. But look, it's reassuring in your novel that we have Melbourne. What's yes. going on in
2: Melbourne? Well, the the um, Melbourne in Enclave is um, it's it's a kind of utopia, but it's not a world where um, any any new technology is, has saved us or anything. It's the it's what it is. It's uh, what happens if we. Have the will to change. And that's what it's about. It's, a, it's about um, the, thinking about how you can improve the world. It's, it's got it's everything we've got now, but stopping being idiots about it. But also, then, you come up with things that
0: we've actually touched on. Melbourne has a universal wage in this novel, which yes. is something we that got us through the pandemic.
2: And the funny thing is that most of that novel was written before the pandemic, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I guess, yeah, the universe, the everyone getting a money to pay yes, refugee support. Yeah, the, really. Um, if you think about it, um, refugee support is something that that we all instinctively know is right, and yet we the way we well, go about it is wrong. Is... So we all know that refugees, yeah. people fleeing danger in their own countries, should be given safety. Yeah. That we all know that, but yet we don't.
0: Uh, Don't do it. Access to education. So Christine, having been expelled from the walled city, finds herself able to get into Melbourne and finds all these other offerings. But it's interesting then, we get onto this concept of enclaves. I'm not going to give away the end of the story, but saying what happened to Mm -hmm. uh, Christine and like several organizations have established walled enclaves where only the people they consider the right types are allowed to live government policies and laws at the time made it possible some of them are planned gated suburbs others are religious and cult compounds but you also touch on the fact that these enclaves are limited mm.
2: Well, the, the, uh, if you think about, um, in our society now, if somebody went off and built a, a walled city um, to, to protect themselves, we can certainly assume that to an extent the rest of us wouldn't really um, give them access to our resources because we wouldn't want to. We'd go, well, you know, we're improving our world. Why should we give it to these people who don't want to be any part of us? And I suppose that, that in a way is what what causes a lot of the conflict in the novel, This the difference between people who... Um, what equality for everyone, and those that don't, and people who um, don't want equality, wanting um, to have all the the resources that come from a more equal society. But some of these walls now
0: that we're building are not necessarily physical walls; no. they're technological walls, the, and the as walls well. in our
2: heads as well. Yeah, and the um, um, the. The the thing about, um, Safe Town is it's, it's kind of like the siloing in, on social media where people block everyone they disagree with and they only hear, um, they only hear stuff from, from the people like them. So they, they become increasingly isolated in their opinions, which is something I'm really against. So I go out on my way to, for example, on, on Twitter, I don't block, um, most people, even if they're complete. And utter arseholes.
0: <laughs> I think we can say that on 3CR. That's all right. But, yes, the limits. And, in fact, there's a sort of reaction then to those those limits. And And if you wall in your thinking, you are preventing other new ideas. I mean, even the technology is better on the outside eventually and all of these sorts of things. But the overarching idea or theme behind this is William Butler Yeats. And you appeal to that poem at the very start of the book in The Second Coming, um, which is, and I'll just open the page and read it, Turning and turning in the widening gyre, The falcon cannot hear the falconer, Things fall apart, the centre cannot hold, Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. So Indeed. this concept of gyres, one spiralling out, one spiralling mm. in, the transformation of society in many ways.
2: And, and the fact that um, it's po- – and of course the thing about that's important to me is the fact that um, the, the line the falcon cannot see the falconer, which is if you allow this this gaia of ideas, they can escape you and you, you don't know what you're going to produce. And that's kind of this idea that you can create a world you think is a better world. But you can't really control it.
0: Well, also, it everything has its day. Mm. So an idea sort of takes over a community or a society. It's great for the moment, mm. and yet as it expands, it loses its relevancy. Yep. There are those that still try to hold on to it, but then it sort of becomes... Uh, well, how would you describe something that you cannot control.
2: And it becomes a limitation. It's, yeah. it's like um, um, religious freedom in some place. They, they go for this, per, this over-the-top idea of religious freedom, and then eventually that becomes, turns into something else, like suppressing people of other religions, and they kind of lose track of all in America with gun rights. Yeah. They've, um, they've got this idea of gun rights to protect yourself, and now it's turned into a real pathology.
0: And they can't control it. At the same time, the hopeful thing about William Butler Yeats is he talks about an an alternative idea coming in, starting small, that will grow in force and power. Yes. But there's a suggestion then at the end of Yeats's poem, Mm -hmm. and what rough beast its hour come round at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. The suggestion that that new idea can become malevolent in time and
2: and all and that, that's kind of um one thing that's always in always in my head when i'm writing well not always often in my head when i'm writing the um the who song won't get fooled again which is about this idea of overthrowing the people overthrow the government then become the government and become just as bad as the old government which is kind of the the world we, we face all the time yeah the,
0: the world we live in is like that new ideas come about but you can see it Dare I say, in America, uh, the Constitution, this great revolution, 1776, and all of a sudden, some of its ideas have become out of control and, in fact, quite dangerous.
2: And toxic. Yes. The society went from being the kind of the great freedom society of the world to becoming a toxic borderline fascist state.
0: Claire, unfortunately, there's so much more we could talk about where Enclave is concerned, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to bring the interview to a close. The book is entitled Enclave. Claire Coleman is the author, and it's a hashette release. So, Claire, thank you very much for talking with me today.
2: Thank you very much.
0: And now I've got Jan's pre-record to play.
3: You grow up in a family, brothers, sisters, mum and dad. You see their successes and failures, and perhaps you can be a bit judgmental. But how well do you really know them? Matthew Ryan Davies has created a family in Things We Bury. Welcome Matthew.
1: Thanks Jan, it's great to be with you.
3: The Harding family, the siblings, they're all adults and living independent lives away from the family home. What brings them back together again?
1: So what brings them together is their dad's you know bad car crash and he's in hospital in a coma so they all come to see how he's going.
3: They all have issues. Let's start with the youngest, Josh, because that's where the book starts. He's on the train coming back to the family home where he was recognised with disgust. What's he done wrong?
1: Yeah, so Josh is in the public eye. He's on on the telly. He hosts a a reality TV show and he's been caught up in a sexual harassment allegation and and the show got cancelled and and a lot of people don't like him. So he, he's tried to avoid the public since the show got cancelled. But now he's, he's back, he's on a train and he's coming to see his, his parents back in his hometown. And yeah, someone, someone recognises him and is not very happy to see him at all.
3: His news has been all over social media. But it's different news, happier news, that his older sister Jacinta, or Jack, brings to the family. What's she planning?
1: So Jack, she hasn't been very involved with her family for, for a long time since she moved out of the hometown when she was 18, been in and out of relationships, and all of a sudden she comes home with this news that she's engaged. Um, no one even knew she was seeing someone seriously. So she, she springs that on them. And that's, yes, happy news, but sort of surprising and in a little way, a relief to her family, I think.
3: And the oldest son, Dane, never really got to plan anything. His plans to go to uni many years earlier were nullified with a shotgun marriage and the necessity to work. What work is Dane involved in?
1: So he's working in the family business. The family have a construction business uh, in town. And yeah, it was, as you said, it was never his intention to, to join that business, but circumstances meant he had, to, he had to get a job. He couldn't go off and, and do the study that he wanted to. So he started working in the family business and he's kind of been stuck there for the 20 years that have passed since then.
3: Well, their dad, Stephen Harding, as you say, has got a construction company and he's doing his first big property development, six stories, 48 unit apartment block with Lee as the project manager, not Dane. Why is that?
1: Well, we get the sense as we go through the story that Stephen doesn't really, not, not, not trust, not trust Dane, but it doesn't really see him as a, as a leader in the business. There is someone else in the business, Lee, as you mentioned, and he's very career motivated and he sees Dane as, as a bit of a threat, which is kind of a funny thing considering Dane is sort of planning on the side to, to leave the business. He doesn't want to stay in the business, but he hasn't told his father this. And now that his dad is in hospital in a coma, Dane really has to step up and, and, and take the reins and that causes some friction with, with Lee.
3: Dane must now make the final decisions and sign off on contracts. But he's concerned. And this project is also splitting the town.
1: Well, it's splitting the town because to build this low-rise apartment block, it's the first in this town of Pent. So it's kind of of a landmark event for the town. The problem is they need to pull down a church to do it. They need to pull down a 150-year-old Catholic church in the town. So a lot of people are attached to that church. A lot of people have had, obviously weddings and and, and baptisms and funerals and that there. And there has been some issues with the church, a bit of controversy. And so the town is split. You know, they want to see progress. They want to see Pent move forward. But then there are a lot of people who who don't want to see the church go. And one of them is Dane, which of course causes a lot more conflict.
3: This is where I thought the title was rather interesting. Things Mm -hmm. We Bury. The church was originally built over the river that ran through Pent. And there's other things that are buried within that church and also within the family's secrets and history. When Dane goes through his father's desk, he finds notes sent to his father, like, you will rot in hell for pulling down our church. But also, so many of the locals have paid deposits and they're excited. And even it's got the backing of the council.
1: Yeah, that's right. It has, but uh, as Dane delves further in, into this project, now that he's becoming more involved, because as you said, he hasn't really been involved in it that much previously, but now he has to step up. As he becomes more involved, he notices some, some things are not quite above board. Some processes haven't been followed correctly, and as you said, the foundations perhaps uh, are a bit dodgy in that area. And the other thing they discover is that is also the site of an Aboriginal burial ground. So. There's all these issues that come into it, all these other reasons why this project should not go ahead. But Dane's conflicted because, you know, it's his dad's dream project. It's now, now it's his job to, to see it through.
3: Well, you've said this story two weeks leading up to Father's Day. What do they, all the siblings, think of their father?
1: Well, Dane, the oldest one, sort of has a a respect that's kind of a little bit built from fear. I suppose he wants he's a very loyal person Dane he wants to he wants his father's approval he doesn't want to let down his father, and that's one of the other reasons why he has to step up and, and take over this construction company, even though it's not something that he wants to do. Jack, who's the the middle daughter, she's very close with her father. They have a very good relationship i mean Jack doesn't open up to anyone really she's quite a close person, but if there is anyone in the world that she does talk to it is, it, it is her dad and she has a special relationship with him then there's Josh the youngest and he sort of felt growing up he he came a bit later than the other sub- siblings and he sort of felt a little bit left behind he never you know his parents were so interested in Dane's footy and, and Jack's horse riding and all those things that they did but they, when it came to the youngest he sort of grew up on his own a little bit so he's kind of a little bit resentful of that feels he was a little bit left out and and, and some of those issues come back to the surface when he when he returns home and is and faced with this situation with his dad.
3: You put it very well when you talk about Josh feeling like a fraud, buying his father the world's best dad mug and giving cards with pre-printed words that Josh didn't believe. Look, there are circumstances and police reports of their father's accident which have them questioning what they really know about their own father. What's suggested in these police reports?
1: Well, what's suggested is that that he deliberately ran himself off the road. So there was no there was no evidence of of trying to break. It was not sort of on a bend, a tricky bend that you know he could have miscalculated. There also was a witness who was walking along the road at the time, and appeared to this witness that it was very much a deliberate act on Stephen's part. So obviously when when the kids find out about this, it raises a lot of questions for them and they can't get any answers because their dad's in a coma. So they're sort of left to deal with the fallout of this revelation while trying to deal with all the other things that being back in their hometown together has has brought to the surface.
3: There's a local in this small town who comes to Josh and tells Josh about his own son's suicide. Can you read that please, Matthew Davies? From page 211.
1: I will. Thanks, Jan. This is the man who's, who's had this experience. This is him talking. It was a long time ago, nine years, but I can tell you, time doesn't heal all wounds. We knew he had problems. We had no clue what to do with them. We tried. We tried really hard to get him help, but there's not enough GPs around here. Let him know mental health specialists. Not that he would have gone. The tough it out attitude of country people is great when you're facing a drought, but not so great when you've got mental health problems.
3: In the acknowledgements, you write that you didn't mean to write a book so threaded with the subject of grief. What happened when you tried to change the course of this book?
1: What happened was I just found I couldn't do it. I like to plan as much as I can before I start writing, and I had planned th- this book to go in a certain direction. But as I writing, as I started writing, it just you know, and started to get to know the characters more. It just took me in a direction that I didn't expect and that I didn't want. Actually, um, I I tried to sort of veer back to my plan, but it just kept pulling me. The story and the characters just kept pulling me, pulling me, pulling me in this in this one particular direction. So. I ended up going going in that direction and I'm glad I did now I think it's it's mm. it's worked out well but I think I say in 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 the back of in the back of the book it's 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 like grief in that way It's just you can't stop it you have you have to go through it you have to go you have to go through with, you know go with the flow I guess
3: in contrast I'd like you to read about Pent, this little hometown that they all come back to, from page one hundred and twenty-eight, because the town's becoming gentrified. There's now three drinking spots, and one's a wine bar. So let's hear about, you know, their ideas. These these young kids coming back to town and what they're seeing.
1: So this is from Josh's perspective. He'd clocked the changes in Pent over the years since he'd left. Some like youth-focused street art with kind of humouring dismissal. Others like the addition of a state-of-the-art gym with genuine curiosity. But it's the arancini and cannoli bars and trained baristas and the annual wine and cheese festival that signal bigger changes. You think you know all there is to know about a place, but then you discover depths you didn't realise existed. Transformation is possible.
3: Yes, transformation. Well, their mother had a very big music career, which she gave up to be a mother. And the song that weaves through this novel is The Eagle Song. Desperado And just quoting lines out of that, but I know that you've got your reason walking through the world all alone. Let somebody love you before it's too late. Did that song come to you, Matt, or did you search for it, or did you just found it fit it in?
1: No, yeah, I just I, I knew it already. I, I knew the song already, and I just sort of felt it fit with the era because it's a song that that their dad really loved, and they they have memories of him singing along to an Eagles CD when they went on you know family car trips and things like that. And the words are, are perfect for a, a lot of the situations in the novel, but particularly Jack's situation, the Jack that she, the, the situation she she's, finds herself in. So she's engaged and. You know, it sort of comes out that she's, you know, questioning whether she wants to marry this man. And she's never been in a long-term relationship. She's had lots of relationships throughout her life, men and women, but never, never a long-term one.
3: You write it beautifully.
1: So this is from Dane's perspective. When, when Jack arrives back, back in the town and he sees her for the first time, having not seen her for a long time, and just hearing that she's, she's getting married. Dane's eyes lingered on his sister. Jack was engaged. She didn't seem the type to want to settle down with another person. She was too used to her own independence, too set in her ways. She seemed to treat the people in her life like visitors to a museum. You can come in, maybe stay a while, but we close at five. <laughs> close
3: at five. And, of course, back in Pent, she's also left another lover, and that might have been a woman. So <laughs> poor Jack, she's, she's very confused. Then there's, uh, there's Josh, who desperately wants to get back to Jordan and his little daughter, Dot. And Dane and Nari, what he did miss was the way she used to look at him, like he was the last chip in the bag, all smothered in sauce. Oh, that was a good line.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no- he, yeah, things have things have changed. I mean, you know, they they had a lot of problems um, conceiving, and then once they did, it, it sort of took a lot out of them, and you know, their relationships change as as they often do in in you know, a marriage, and they become more functional and more about looking after the kids and the mm. kids Saturday things and 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 Dane's starting to feel he's lost that lost that connection with his wife.
3: Well, another great quote: three rounds of IVF had drained them financially and in every other way possible. But Nari is writing about these experiences in her memoir, and I've never heard a memoir described quite like this.
1: Dane has just told his sister, Jack, that that Nairi, his wife, is writing a memoir, and this is Jack's Jack's response. Why anyone would want to write down all their innermost thoughts and feelings on paper for all the world to see, I'll never know, Jack said. I prefer the stoic, bottled up all inside until you explode approach.
3: Oh, just yes. And (laughs) then there was the book group's response to the memoir, which we won't
1: tell.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So we've got a story about relationships with siblings and their father, and what it's like in a small town.
1: I I really love stories that are sort of confined to a community, whether that be a, a retirement village or a boarding school. I just feel like when you're in a sort of confined environment where you sort of can't leave people or get away from people or where everybody knows you, it just kind of jacks up the tension a lot more because there seems to be a lot more at stake it sort of can create I guess a kind of combustion chamber so yeah I love I love stories set in small towns and yeah I'm just kind of drawn to it I guess.
3: Their father's car accident brings adult siblings home and they question what they know about their father and what do they know about each other and themselves in Matthew Ryan Davies Things We Bury. Thank you very much Matthew.
1: Thanks Jan it's been great thank you.